You may recall that we covered the first three Beatitudes, which cover the concept of humility. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Today we introduce another trilogy, this one regarding the soul or the inner man, verse 6. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. These three Beatitudes have to do with the appetites, if you will, or desires of the soul. Verse 6, the desire of your soul being filled with righteousness. Verse 7, the disposition of your soul in the giving and receiving of mercy. And verse 8, the destiny of your soul, for you shall see God. But just verse 6 today, this righteousness that's referred to there, blessed are they which hunger and thirst after righteousness, is not the Old Testament righteousness of God as if you could now earn it by a great desire, great passion, great effort. Your version may simply use the word justice. It's a good word to use there. It's simply the idea of doing what's right. Blessed are they whose basic, fundamental, deepest desire of life are the things that matter to God, willing to do what is right in the face of opposition. God will never let you down in that regard. In fact, to seek for fulfillment in any other source always leaves us unsatisfied, if not dissatisfied, and we end up in search of alternatives. You ever tried to fill up on a box of donuts? You ever tried to fill up on a box of donuts? Can you eat just one? See, I'm not that spiritual. I can't eat just one. So my daughter brings over a box of donuts from this daughter here. Brings over a box of donuts from Krispy Kreme, right? Uh, one of them's not enough. Is one enough? But what happens if you try to fill up on a box of donuts by the end of just, what, an hour? I mean, that sugar rush that you were on, and you were feeling pretty good about it, right? And what happens? It always lets you down. Much of what we do in this world is, is a little like trying to get a drink of water from a fire hydrant, right? There's plenty there. And you've got to admit, there's more, there's more spiritual opportunity out there. I mean, how many versions of the Bible do you have in your home right now? Two, Two of them? And, and if I ask you, you're going to give me a good answer. But when's the last time you read either one of them? Right now, you're going to give me a good answer. Right? We've got, we've got plenty of opportunity. More and more spiritual opportunities in the world today. But you've got to admit also. People seem to go away less and less satisfied. Why is that? Christ came to provide satisfaction. He came to provide fulfillment. You go to John chapter 10, it's called abundant life. You go to John chapter 8, it's called freedom and life. Back in the Psalms, chapter 37, the desires of your heart. God came to promise that and much more. Blessed are they who seek for their supply of, you name it, whatever it is, things necessary for life. You seek your supply of that in this book and in your relationship to Jesus Christ. You will find satisfaction. There is not much that a person can stand in front of you and say, if you'll do this, 
You are guaranteed satisfaction. I can stand before you today with my testimony and the testimony of others with us. You will never be dissatisfied when you follow after what God's Word says in your relationship to Him. Blessed are they who seek for their supply of all things in righteousness, in relationship to God. You'll be satisfied. Now, if you take this verse and you sort of turn it on its end, you'll quickly discover that every disappointment in life, you ever had any? Every disappointment in life is the direct result of trying to satisfy what is probably a legitimate need, but trying to satisfy a need in any other way than what this book says. It goes from intimate relationships to jobs and relationships at work and everything in between. And when you try to satisfy what are just legitimate life needs in any way that is contrary to what this book says, you'll be left dissatisfied. What you do to get what you want is what this book is all about. It's what this verse is all about. Consider the appetite of our soul when you complete this phrase with me. You are what you eat. See, you know it, right? Your mama told you the same thing. You are what you eat. Warren Wiersbe says of this beatitude, if the inner man is to function, he must be fed. And just as with any proper diet, the fact that I need to be fed, right? even if you're on a, uh, a constricted diet, the issue is not that you have to eat. The issue is how you satisfy the appetite. The problem sneaks in, right? Well, first, the expressions of our appetite. If you want to control appetite physically, these three things, and they work in our spiritual life as well. First of all, what you look at, a sense of sight. You've got to control it. Paul prayed for the Ephesians that the eyes of the understanding would be enlightened. The Lord lamented that His disciples, having eyes, yet they still don't see. They don't, still don't get it. The church at Laodicea was counseled to seek after God and anoint their eyes that they might see. The eyes are the window to your soul, and you cannot keep looking at that and thinking about this. You want to think about the Lord? What are you looking at? The psalmist wrote, I will set no wicked thing before my eyes. It shall not cleave to me. You can't keep looking at that box of donuts. That temptation that my daughter brought to us. You can't keep looking at that box of donuts and thinking somehow it won't cleave to you. Oh, it'll cleave to you, right? What you look at just kind of hangs on. Then also a sense of hearing. John declares, the, the Lord's sheep... They hear His voice. He knows them by name. He leads them out. They know His voice. Jesus went on to say, They will not follow a strange voice. He said, Because they do not know the voice of a stranger. Can you discern between the voice of good and evil? It was the problem of our original parents in the garden. It was prophesied by Isaiah that there would come a day when men will call evil good and good evil. And don't tell me you haven't seen that coming on us. Do you know the difference between what your thoughts are, your conclusions, and what God's are? Your ways and God's ways? The way you count and the way God counts? The way God measures things? 
the way you measure things, sight. How you look at things, sound. What you listen to, and also a sense of taste. The psalmist's menu for righteousness was simple. Taste and see that the Lord is good. You won't be disappointed. Peter's recipe for spiritual growth, you can grab others if you want, but I just put down Peter's. 1 Peter chapter 2. First of all, he said, first thing you have to do is lay aside malice, guile, hypocrisy, envy, evil speaking. Set those things aside. And then he said, gather up all the milk of the word that you might grow thereby. And finally, taste and see that the Lord is gracious. The soul was created with a hunger and thirst that only the ingredients of God's word can satisfy. St. Augustine wrote, Thou hast made us for thyself, and our hearts are restless until they rest in thee. David wrote, as the heart panteth after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsts for God, the living God. What are some of the evidences then? What are some of the evidence of this appetite? First of all, it provides life. It kind of goes without saying, you're a nurse. kind of goes without saying that there is no appetite in the dead and dying. They just, that's one of the things, they just don't care about food anymore. But those who are alive in Christ give evidence by their desire for the things of Christ. It's old-fashioned. I know it. And sometimes it's as boring as water. But don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Researchers tell us now that maybe as many as 20% of those who've left church because of COVID, legitimate concerns, maybe 20% will never return to church? Wow. How about reading God's Word that you may grow thereby? How about time in prayer without ceasing? Even the unsaved man has an appetite for things that satisfy, but they try to fill it with things, as Jesus said, that are not bread, not the living bread, not eternal, and they never satisfy. Those who have been made alive will give evidence of their hunger and thirst for the living Word. You can't declare yourself to love God and then not love His people, not read His Word, don't spend time talking to Him in prayer. You can't, you can't say I'm a child of God and yet I don't do any of those things. How about your health? What is often the first sign of sickness? What's the first, what's the first thing that goes if you're sick? What's the last thing you want to do? You don't want to eat, right? That's the first thing that goes. You just don't want to eat. Uh, and so you begin to give up those things. The first sign of getting well then becomes just the opposite, right? Well, there, you know, you've heard that. Well, he's, he asked for his meal, so he must be feeling better, right? I mean, that kind of conversation you've had. No matter how you feel, what's the one thing the doctors always tell you you have to do? I know you don't want to eat, but you've got to stay, right, hydrated. You've got to drink. You've got to have something in your body. There's 70% of our bodies made up of, of water. Spiritual sickness ruins your appetite. Church, no longer interesting. It's not important. God's Word, that's just old-fashioned. The music, it's not passionate. The preacher, he's a little boring. Services aren't exciting. Prayer is no longer meaningful. And what happens? Doubt begins to set into your spiritual life. What could be more plain than water? But you got to have it. 
you got to stay hydrated. You simply cannot make it in this world on a single Sunday serving of God and His Word. Christian friend, how many meals would you miss before you began to feel the effects of not eating? And something as boring as water if you don't drink. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, they will be filled. Well, what's the attitude of your heart regarding all this? The uppermost thought, the greatest desire of your heart, satisfaction is guaranteed when first we pursue after righteousness. So what are the desires of your heart? I describe it with two simple words, holiness and wholeness. Holiness begins with the desire of the heart until the whole person is living in pursuit of the things of God and His Word. When Christ is removed from the throne of our heart, not only will I not be holy, I will not be whole, made whole, living in, in a, a unified passion for the Lord. I become sick and weakly. The desires of your heart then begin to reveal the direction of your heart, the things that you're after, toward righteousness, right? Or, or, or against sin, toward righteousness. When righteousness is the north star of your life choice, everything else begins to fall into proper place. People always ask, how do I know what is God's will? You can't start there. You can't start with, I've got a decision, how do I know God's will? You've got to go back to the fundamentals, right? God's Word, prayer, time with God's people, and you begin to understand what God is up to. And it begins to direct your decisions toward the things that please God. You ever feel like your life is out of balance? What's the compass of your heart set toward? What are some of the comfort foods? You, you all have a comfort food, don't you? Hopefully it's not a box of donuts. <laughs> right? But you got something that you say, well, you know, and I just, I, this is my, it's my thing. It's my go-to. I, I grab this. What's your comfort food spiritually? You got some verses like that? You got some passages of Scripture like that? If I called on you, like Jack this morning, if I called on you to read Scripture, would I have to give you something? Or you just got something? You, you just, that's something I can go to. When you're laying there waiting for the operation, you know, you just, you just, you had that conversation with the Lord and some verses come to mind. You had that kind of comfort food. When set toward righteousness, it also turns us away from sin. Seems apparent. If you profess salvation but continue to live in pursuit of sin, you're, you are at best a very sickly child of God or perhaps no child of all. Because we know what child is he whom the Father chasteneth not. But don't live your life in the negative. Don't, don't just live your life in the sense of, I don't want to get caught by my Heavenly Father. But I want to live in pursuit of God and His Word. Someone as well said, control hunger, and you control life. Dictators have risen to power, this same principle. To control an individual, you find their greatest de de uh, desire, you control it, and you have a follower. Advertisers, they work all, you ever, advertisers, you, in fact, some of the things you see on TV that they're advertising, you didn't even know you needed it. But they convince you you need it. They convince you you deserve this. And before you know it, you're a customer, right? Like, wow, this is great. Yeah, you're right. I do deserve this. I've worked hard for it. 
Sometimes they create the appetite. It's sad to say many modern political and even religious leaders operate either as controlling dictators or enticing advertisers, promising the allurements of this world to provide the appetites of life, and they keep you coming back with a vote, they keep you coming back for more, they keep you coming back. Don't allow anyone or anything else to take first place to rise above the Lord Jesus Christ. How about an application to this verse? Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. There's the application. Do you want to be filled? Do you want satisfaction? Do you want purpose? Do you want meaning? Do you want to have a life of consequence? What does it mean to be filled? It means to be satisfied. It's not a one and done thing either. It's not like, well, I do this and okay, I feel great about myself and I go on. No, this, this is the cup running over. This is the abundant life that Jesus talked about. Filled. It's the same word used. Do you remember the story of the feeding of the 5,000? Do you remember that? Remember how the baskets went out? And they just, came, kept, they just had this endless supply? And what does it say? Same word. What does it say when the baskets came back and they were, they were still filled? They were still filled. That's this word. That's the abundant life. That's the nature of relationship with the Lord. It's the same word used to describe that beggar when he was at the rich man's table and he filled himself from the crumbs of the table. So it's not just a passive term, but it's personal. The filling comes as a result of your personal desire. Your satisfaction doesn't come because the preacher wants it for you. Satisfaction doesn't come because your parents want it for you. Satisfaction doesn't come because even God wants it for you. It only comes when you begin to want it for yourself. You want it. You want nothing more than to have satisfaction in relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ. The provision for your happiness, blessedness, fulfillment has been provided by Christ. Whether or not you'll be filled comes down to your personal decision. I put it in terms that I can understand. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink, right? See, I can lead you there. I can take you there. I can give you the scriptures. God sent His Son to lead you to Himself, but He can't make you. It's your decision to follow after in pursuit of Him, in pursuit of righteousness and fulfillment of life. So it's not by imitation. When you're young, right, we do things by imitation. I've got a little imitator. His name is Daniel. Be careful what you say around Daniel, because Daniel is now an imitator. So when you're young... Right? As a Christian, same thing. When you're young, imitation is pretty good. You can kind of pick up things, you understand it, but there comes a time when you have, to, you have to get it for yourself, right? It has to become personal, incarnational. True holiness comes by way of Christ in you, the hope of glory. If you want imitation, join a monastery. If you want incarnational truth that makes a difference, a difference in your life and your decisions and your daily routine. Accept the Lord Jesus Christ. It's practical in nature because that word filled not only means satisfied, but there's a growing satisfaction. It increases your desires. You come back for more because you found it to be true and real and lasting and it made a difference and I'm back for more. How many of you know that going back to the buffet, well, we don't have buffets anymore, do we? It's kind of sad. Probably better, but it's kind of sad, right? 
you went up and you, you went to the buffet, and man, you were hungry, and that was delicious. But come about the fourth time back to the buffet, and you have to admit, it's not quite as satisfying as it was the first time, right? It's like, oh, it was good, but it, you know, that first thing I had, that was really the best. But how many of you know, how many of you learned by experience that the Lord Jesus Christ is sweeter as the days go by? It's simple, really. It's simple. The simplification of it, what did Paul say? This one thing I do. Jesus, what did he say to Martha? This one thing is needful. David recorded, one thing have I desired of the Lord. And we read in the words of Solomon, it's simple really. Fear God and keep His commandments. That's it. That's the whole duty of man. That's what your success turns on. Life becomes more complicated. Every time you try to satisfy desires of life with any other thing in this world. Simpler, sweeter, more satisfying. Do you know my Jesus? O Christ, in Thee my soul has found and found in Thee alone the peace, the joy I sought so long, the bliss till now unknown. Now none but Christ can satisfy None other name for me. There's life and love and lasting joy, Lord Jesus, found in thee. Sometimes we get so heavenly minded, we're of no earthly good. One uh, crotchety old neighbor had a, a churchety kind of neighbor. So we got this crotchety neighbor, churchety neighbor. This church neighbor was always re rebuking the crotchety neighbor for his language cursing and all that stuff and finally the old the old man finally said to the church guy he says you know what seems like you pray a lot and i curse a lot but i'm not sure either one of us means very much of what we say do you mean what you say does it come from a heart of a relationship with the lord jesus christ aw tozier said within the soul of every man is a God-shaped vacuum. What does that mean? You can suck into this thing anything you want. Try to fill it up. So within every, the heart of every man, believer or unbeliever, there's just this, this emptiness, this longing, and you're trying to suck anything that will come you think is going to satisfy, but you'll never be satisfied until you're filled with the Lord Jesus Christ and that through His Holy Spirit. Satan, since the fall of man in the garden, has offered every substitute to fill that void in your heart, but only Christ can satisfy. People all around us are looking to fill the emptiness in their heart, but they're empty calories. I'm back to that box of donuts. <laughs> they're just empty calories. Follow the recipe of what this book says, right? It's like a recipe book. Do you have any recipe books at home that you've set on the shelf? You haven't looked at them in a while? Don't let it be this. Don't let it be this. Don't let it be that recipe book that sits on your shelf and you haven't looked at it in a while. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, they, you, shall be filled. Do you know it to be true? Do you? You've learned it, haven't you? Yeah, you have. And we sometimes learn it through some of the most difficult circumstances of life but I promise you there's not much I can promise 
in this world. But I promise you this. When you find your life in relationship to Jesus Christ, you'll find it to be satisfying. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for the day again. We thank you for the simplicity and direct nature of the Beatitudes. We all want to be blessed. And we're all seeking for satisfaction. Blessed are they which hunger and thirst. I mean, we're going to, we don't go too many days without eating. We sometimes can't wait till the next meal. Help us, Lord, not to let so many days pass by without feeding from your word. And if there's somebody here today that just came because it's the right thing to do, but they've never accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, may they come into relationship with him today. May I have the opportunity, if you're that person, to share with you Jesus Christ from God's word, how you can receive him. And Lord, as we face the circumstances of life that are before us, whether it's here in our church, personal life, doctors, phone calls we thought we'd never get, or circumstances in our world we thought we'd never see, may we rely on you more and more and more and more. Sweeter, sweeter as the days go by. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said,